every time he's hired for a position, it's been horrible. And when he's hired the human, it's worked. And that's, that's, you know, that's really it. That's really true. And I mean, all that meant was, you know, when, when you hire them to fit into the organization and you like them, it's going to work out. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to Episode 5, and my guests today are Rich Stang and Brad Hoffman, who are partners in the Maryland accounting firm of DeLeon and Stang CPAs and Advisors. DeLeon and Stang is not your average accounting firm. For example, they're very much an anticipatory organization where they go beyond traditional services by providing clients with a future-forward look at their financial situation. Their future-forward approach is seen in their mission statement, core competencies, decisions when opening a new location, and in a rollout of new benefits in 2018. I am almost guaranteed that you will stop, rewind, and have a listen to this whole entire episode as you begin to understand how future-focused they are. Two of my favorite quotes from Sir Richard Branson, founder of Virgin Airlines, describe this firm, and they are, train people well enough so they can leave, treat them well enough so they don't want to. And clients do not come first. Employees come first. If you take care of your employees, they will take care of the clients. This is the essence of Delion and Stang. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the other three partners in this firm, and they are Alan Delion, Jeannie Price, and Dan Dellen. Now, you can visit the website at deleonandstang.com and learn more about this future Ford accounting firm. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Rich Stang and Brad Hoffman. Rich and Brad, welcome to my podcast. I appreciate you taking time. You have a little bit more time now than you did maybe back in March or February to spend some time with me uh, talking about your firm on my podcast. So thank you guys for taking that time and being here this afternoon. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Let's just start the conversation, just kind of give the audience a little bit about your background. Let's start with you, Brad, and then we'll get to Rich. Okay. I started in public accounting in, uh, I guess, 2001 and spent 12 years in a pretty typical accounting firm. It was a very, very structured organization, very good organization, but I realized that I didn't fit in really as far as the culture went. And when I came over to DNS, it it was kind of a a breath of fresh air in that 
there was a, oh, wow, there's other people that function like I do. So 2012 came over and, you know, we started talking a lot about the, you know, the, the evolution of the firm and where things were going. And it was, it was very interesting to me as, as, as we had those talks that, you know, all the conversations weren't met with no, um, <laughs> you know, I, I told someone in the beginning, I said, I got to be careful when I come up with a new idea or a new thought, because there's a chance that within two weeks, we might be rolling with it. And, you know, that was pretty abnormal, uh, given where I'd came from, which was a more traditional accounting firm. So let me ask Rich, let me ask you this. So you started the firm and Brad's over here saying that he came from a traditional firm and yours is not a traditional firm. Can, can you explain that as, as you describe in your background? Well, I think I can explain it in the sense that um, when Al DeLeon and I started the firm, neither one of us, uh, other than maybe a summer internship that he had done in college, had, had worked in public accounting. And as, as we tried to start the firm, we didn't have uh, perhaps the, the knowledge of, of how a CPA firm runs. In, in some respects, that maybe uh, hurt us a little bit, but in a lot of respects, I think it helped in that we didn't have some of the idiosyncrasies that you hear about in traditional CPA firms. So I, I, I think things like putting family first and you know having fun in a business was what we started out to do, not really knowing exactly what a public accounting firm did. So I, I think in the long run, that helped us. It helped us build a business that, that hopefully is seen as a very good opportunity for our staff outside of some of the traditional things you hear about public accounting firms. Yeah, my introduction to you, firm, I, I knew I met Jeannie and knew her, but I didn't really know the firm as as much. And then I came in and did that course for you guys. And really, my eyes just got huge because you guys are different. I, I mean, you guys are, are, are really innovative. As Brad said, he's used to hearing no. And, and I, I cut my teeth in public accounting where no was the, but you guys say yes. Uh, and, and the culture that you guys have created, I, I, I find it refreshing. I find it that it's something that I've always said I'd love to have. If I had a firm, would love to have something like that. And just for the listeners out there, I have included a, a case study in my upcoming book, Taking the Numb Out of Numbers, on their firm because it is so fascinating. That's why I wanted to get them on the podcast so they can talk more about that. So you didn't grow up in the public accounting, you, you business model. But even back when you started with uh, I think maybe 10, 15 years ago, when you were doing your, your mission statement and, and your core values, you had shared with me that, because you had at the time like 15 core values, and you said you had the whole firm participating in this decision-making, which I, I find refreshing, but it, it's also very uh, unique that we get the whole, the whole company together, the whole firm together to help make these decisions and provide this input? From my perspective, I think if, if, if everyone is involved, I think you're going to have a better buy-in to living those core values. Plus, in, in our case, I, I think part of, the, part of the yes, part of the moving forward is the sense that uh, if somebody has a good idea, then let's put it into place. Let's not wait around and you know, see who's going to 
pump up and get the most credit for. Let's just get it done. So I think we've always been uh, looking for good ideas and, and good information from from all of our staff. That's just been the way that we've operated. And then you brought Brad in, and I said Brad came from a, uh, a typical accounting firm, and he's got a lot of ideas. He's got a lot of energy. And Brad, I, I assume that it was very easy to assimilate into this culture. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, and it, and it's it's still relevant today. An example: it was on Tuesday of last week. It was like the first day that it was actually like just gorgeous outside. <laughs> and we just landed a new client, got back to the office. There were several folks there and, you know, checked everybody's calendars and was like, you know what, guys, let's, uh, let's go grab a happy hour. It's gorgeous out. And, you know, that was like three o'clock. And I said, I said to one of the staff, uh, and it happened to be Rich's son, I guess it doesn't help that, you know, I'm, I'm more of the problem when it comes to this than the help. And, and Chris looks at me and says, actually, it's almost like an unspoken fringe benefit to have this type of behavior. And I was like, excellent. <laughs> You're an unspoken fringe benefit. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's, it's so, but this all, this culture that you guys have created really. I mean, it empowers your people, and it has to distill upon your clients in such a positive way. Can you share some of that, those stories and things along those lines? Well, you know, just just as as, as recent as last week, we uh, we had picked up a new client in in the, in the Frederick market, and it was from we got them from one of the larger accounting firms in the Frederick market, and after meeting them, and we talked about you know, entity selection and blah, blah, blah. But we had spent a lot of time just talking about what their plans were and what they what they thought they saw the future being. And, you know, their workforce, their fleet, their, you know, things that had nothing to do with numbers, really. Right. And we got, we got you know, halfway through that meeting and they're like, this is, this is stuff that, you know, that the other firm never even thought to ask us. And, you know, it, it just kind of continued on. They, they, they fed on that and they'd come in, they hang out. We took, we, we, we did a couple of promotional things that we had them come to and they, you know, we didn't even have to sell ourselves. They were, they were the ones speaking to the other folks in the room, telling them how fun we were and how awesome we were to work with. And that we've talked about stuff that they never even thought to consider. So, you know, the, the clients feed off of this, this environment. And, you know, they stop by and will just stop in and, and say hi to Danny or, or, or Chris or whoever else is in the office. And, you know, if they're walking past or whatever. Because they know it's, a, you know, it's an environment that, that is fun. You know, they just hope they don't get hit with a... Uh, Stray Nerf gun bullet. <laughs> so uh, I, I love that story. I, the question I have is: this culture? Do you? I, I feel, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but even with your core values, your first core value is putting your people first, not putting your clients first. Putting your people first. 
And I think by doing that, because you care about your people, that same care goes into when you're having conversations with existing clients, with prospects, because it sounds to me that you want to know them as a, as a person, as a business, how, what makes them tick, where their passion is. And where the other firms, the traditional firms, are going in and just looking at the numbers, you're, you're trying to find out the, the whole, the whole entity and, and how it's evolved as as a unit, which is quite unique in, in that process. W- would you agree with that, Rich? Yes, I would. I mean, we've had the opportunities. Uh, you know, the clients have noticed that in in our case, and we did make a change in our mission statement to put staff first and then clients and. And I've had a few conversations with uh, clients about that, and they were intrigued as to why we did that and what that meant for us. I mean, it means that if we take care of our staff first, that they're going to be here from a, uh, a, you know, continuing with us. There's there's not as much turnover. And so that's ultimately going to be good for the clients as well, especially in the market, the job market that we're in right now. Um, I've had the opportunity to sit with clients and actually have gained some services for clients to talk about what we've done as it might relate to them, especially other professional services businesses. Oh, I, I love that. And it's, you, it sounds like you have a dialogue, a, a lack of a better term, a rich dialogue when you're having these conversations with your clients. And I assume you've got some long-term clients and they've got to be some of your best referrals as, as you continue to grow your business. Yeah, definitely. What's the biggest strength that you see in your firm? It goes without saying the the culture, the environment for which we work in. You know, we had staff this this tax season actually say, uh, "Man, I'm glad it's tax season. I can I get to hang out here more." Like, what? Yeah, it's kind of unheard of. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. So, so, I they like to come to work. Because you provide a great yeah. culture, and, and and which you know when you guys said you put your people first reminds me of Richard Branson, the the Virgin Airlines guy. He says he never he, if he hires the right people, they will take care of your customers. Kind of the same philosophy that you guys are using. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, you know, I think when we give everybody a every, we give everybody a voice, they know that their voices are heard. You know, so that that drives, you know, that that's a little bit more detailed, but I think uh, they feel it. And I think that's what drives the culture. And thinking about that, and I, you're empowering your people just from the simple act of listening to them and, and gaining an understanding of, of what they're trying to say and then acting on it. Yeah. That's unique in so many ways um, because, you know, the improv guy, I mean, you know, I, I, I hear the word no and I cringe, but you guys are really going, yes, and tell me more versus, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that. It's much more of a positive attitude in the firm. Well, and not, I mean, the, the clients, you know, so I know you love uh, yes and, I, I, I would like to say that I use that a lot, but uh, I really, it's, well, maybe, let me hear. And, you know, same same philosophy, but, uh, you know, having children, you learn that if you say yes, you're in. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that is true. Uh, I, I taught my son yes and early on, and um, he's gotten away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but along, that, along those lines, 
Brian, I'm thinking back to a conversation that we had for the book. And you were telling me that, and I use this all the time and I give you credit for it. You know, you'll, somebody will come up with, you'll come up with an idea and they say, we can't do that. And what's the phrase that you use? Someone says, no, that won't work. You say, well, if it did, what would it look like? Yeah. If it did, what would it look like? And you're giving them permission at that point to explore an idea that they initially poo-pooed. Uh, that's right. Well, and, it, and it's kind of, some degree, it's, it's combining many different philosophies on, on this whole consulting thing. I mean, there's, you know, Burris has the, uh, you know, if, you, if you're stuck on a step, skip it. And this one was, was from one of my teachings earlier on. And it was, you know, that, you know, that won't work. But if it did, what would it be? It's kind of the same thing. You're skipping the no, it won't. And moving on to the, you're really trying to get to the root of their desire. And that works real well in sales meetings too. If, if you get in front of a client who is very pessimistic, you can you can kind of get down to what they're really trying to have or what they really want, and get them there without you know without telling them they're wrong. You know, and that happens a lot. I mean, in a lot of accountants, I've you know, Rich and I had this conversation earlier in the week of the why are we different. You know, so many folks want to go in, they meet the client, and they tell them what they need, and <laughs> they tell them what they don't need. And it's, it's just insane. We, and we've had so much success just sitting, listening to the client, talking to them, asking them lots of questions, and, you know, finding out what they really want. What, I mean, you know, it's up, it's, if you provide great service, but they didn't want it, there's really no value. Right. Clients, prospects, organizations are looking for that value, but a lot of times they can't put their finger on it until they see it or experience it. Yeah. And when you guys provide this service and this opportunity to, and this the ability to sit down and listen to what their needs are, what they need. And I think you shared this with me and I've heard it many times before. Tell me one entrepreneur one business owner who doesn't want to talk about their business. If you just let them talk, they'll tell you everything you need to know. So then you can formulate an opinion and provide them what they need, but you have to get them, you have to allow them to talk and tell and describe. Yeah, sometimes they're willing to pay you just to listen to them if you let them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, you know, they they want to just unload on all the good stuff they've done. Are all the problems they had, you know, if you, and if you don't interject with a solution, uh, and you and you let the you let the conversation flow, you get a whole lot further. Exactly, and, and I, Rich, I got a, a question that I want to ask. The teacher in me is coming out now, and it's it's how do you teach? Oh, how are you guys teaching this? The skill set that you that you are. A, have to the younger staff? Well, actually, Brad has been very instrumental. It is, it's just simply, um, you know, as we get in, get these client meetings and get in front of them, it's, it's really asking everyone to take someone with them into these meetings so they can hear and listen to what's going on. Brad's done that since day one, taking one or two of our staff people out to sit in on those meetings and just hear what we're doing. Because, you know, a lot of it is that 
you're just doing it off the cuff. And sometimes it, you can't just sit with someone and say, here's what you do. So it's, it's just more having them experience it. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I can imagine some of the clients, you go, what are you bringing all these people out here? What are you going to bill me for every individual? Yeah. But you really give them on-the-job training as well as I think a lot of the value there is the car ride out and the car ride back. Right. Yeah, especially the one back. yeah i mean you know the reality is you have if you have a a rich and you have an owl someone who has you know the 35 years of experience and being in front of clients and and doing this it's to me it's it would be a crime to not have uh as many as possible the younger staff uh, you know watching and following and and Seeing that happen in real time, yeah, there's some time burn on it, but the value for the firm down the road is is, is so huge. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know, if the, some other firms that I know of, that they're still not really doing that as much. There's still the layers, and this is what you do at this at this stage in, in your career. And, and I've always been a firm believer, if somebody walks in, walks in a new employee, after they kind of figure things out in the office is get them out in the field and have them observe the conversation that's going on. So, so by the time they become maybe a manager, they've obtained some of those interpersonal skills and, and, and have seen it live and in person where they can bring a bigger bang to the organization when versus not seeing it, then getting thrown into the fire. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the fire is not bad as long <laughs> as they have backup. No, I mean, seriously, like if the whole, like, Empowering is awesome, uh, and I love empowering my, the people that work with me, but you, they have to know that you got their back. And, you know, it's good for them to, to feel, you know, to sweat every once in a while when, when the client calls and asks the question because they really, you know, and that's what I refer to as the fire, right? Mm-hmm. But that really drives home then the need of understanding and not just moving the product along. Because then they know, wow, I, I, you know, I need to know this. So the next time Sally Smith calls, I can answer this right away. And it instills the, the understanding that, that they need to understand. Them experiencing this, the, the, them going through this, the, them experiencing the burn also, is, as, you, as you're describing, is a motivator to avoid that burn again and to be prepared and to be able to have recall almost immediately in order to answer the client's question that they have. Yeah. And once, you know, once, once a client calls the, the, the staff and, you know, that's why client interaction with staff as, as early as possible, that, that isn't embarrassing. You don't want to put them in a bad situation, but the, the more the, that the staff have to interact with the client or get to interact with the client, I mean, at least our staff, the the vibrant millennials that we're getting a hold of, they want to know, you know, and, and that just drives them more when they can when they can then call the client and give them the answer and it not have to go through a manager or a partner. So, you know, it it, it, it goes full circle. Yeah, that, that that says a lot. So, Rich, I have to ask you this question. You said you've been doing this for about 35 years. So this no, is Brad the- said that. I didn't say that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've been doing this for a number Sorry, of years. <laughs> and you've gone through a number of, quote, unquote, busy seasons. How did this one go for you guys as compared to, well, are some observations that you saw from, from this year versus maybe prior years? 
every year um, we've evolved a little bit. And I know that this year, you know, especially what's fresh in my mind now, between really good communications with our clients and having our staff prepared, we finished at the end as smoothly as we ever had. We All the extensions were done. All the forms were back from e-filing. Literally Thursday or Friday before the 17th, you know, at that point we were finished. So, you know, Saturday we, were, we left early. Sunday I didn't come to the office at all. Uh, Monday we, we just were, you know, chasing down a final few forms. So, I, I, you know, and I think also our use of electronic um, means, portals, and, and getting, you know, encouraging clients to scan, and, and this year, electronic signatures, it really did go as smooth as it ever has. Wow, that's great. And, um, and I, that I, wasn't, you know, in spite of the tax law change and everything else that was on people's minds, too. Oh, that's yeah. I forgot about that. That little that little change in the, in yeah. the tax code. <laughs> so as, as business season began to ramp up and, and attention began to get a little, little bit more um, heavier in the office, what tension? But that, what tension? What well, tension? I, I think you just answered my question because I I still hear stories and I remember as we started getting into February, the tension level within the office, you know, would, would get extremely high, and, and then you know. People's nerves would be weared upon and, and, and tired and working, and ultimately something would go sideways. And sometimes something would go sideways pretty large that had a that had major impact. But it sounds like that never happened at your organization. Well, you know, certainly I mean, people worked a little harder, people got a little more tired, uh, you know, in that, that mid time, you know, towards the end of March. But as far as uh, everybody pitched in and worked together, actually, I think our I, I said it in our um, uh, our you know postseason uh, meeting that we just had. I think our teamwork this year is as best as it's ever been. Just whether it's being allowing our staff to get the data that they need or making sure that we were there for them, I think our teamwork was was better than it ever has been. Brad, you're going to add in on that? Yeah, no, I mean that's that's it. It's it's everyone working in a similar manner, right? I mean, they're, everyone's planning correctly. Everyone's pulling data in, you know, everyone's shooting for the same goal and you, you didn't have that, you know, a, you know, a couple outliers that you would in a normal organization that could, you know, kind of sabotage the planning, good planning of others. So, you know, they, they keep on burning, 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 burning up to the bitter end. And then, you know, they're asking for the help of everybody that did good, that, that planned properly. Everybody was on the same page and working cohesively. How Rich put it, what, what you, the way you've just described, in my mind, when I'm thinking about a team, the best teams, I think every individual on the team knows that somebody's got their back. If they make a mistake, they, they, they fall down or something, there's someone there to pick them up, dust them off, and move them in the right direction. And I think that's what you guys are saying, that the teamwork and the ability that I got your back, I'm here to support you, it was instrumental in this very fluid and, and best ever busy season at your organization, at your firm. I think yeah. that's a great way to describe it. And, you know, and it's, it extends beyond just our tax teams. I mean, it extends across uh, every every facet, really. Yeah, I mean, it fascinates me that, you know, we, we've hired many people from many other accounting firms and, you know, uh, Clint Lehman and Michelle Mills, they, they came in from 
other organizations, and they were previously partners of those organizations. And they both during, and this was Michelle's first tax season, and Clint said this similarly on his first, he, you know, he walked around and said, when does it get ugly? You know, when, when do people start getting crazy? And, you know, I'm grabbing her out of the office to come out and join us for a happy hour. Like, tension only exists if you let it. Like, if you handle it correctly, you don't have to have tension. Sure, we had similar urgent scenarios and things of that nature that, that other firms would have had. But if you don't let it escalate to a, a, you know, a, a bad situation, use it as an opportunity. If it's a client relation, you know, use whatever went wrong as an opportunity to strengthen the relationship. You know, you know, be forward, call them. You know, there's, there, there's plenty of ways to diffuse tension. And yes, and, and and transparency and, and honesty and and all of that goes into that diffusion. But I, I think also the big piece is it's they know everybody's there to support them. They, nobody's nobody's walking around looking at you like you know, you want to punch this person out, or you, or you just or you just avoid people uh, in the office because of of something. But it doesn't sound like any of that you know exists. If it is, it's it's very minute within your organization, even at the most busiest time of the year when panic can lead to stress and all of a sudden all the wheels are falling off. It sounds to me that when something happens and even if somebody had made a mistake, that's an opportunity to learn versus a punishable offense. Well, yeah, the other element, and this is going to sound not as positive, but you know, the, 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 the right people on the bus Sometimes you have to remove folks that 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 don't buy into your culture and who you know can on a regular basis cause that type of environment because they're you know they're deteriorating what you want what you want to grow and ultimately you find that most people are very appreciative that you're maintaining what they love yes not yeah it's it's interesting to Watch organizations. There's a woman uh, who wrote the book, Stop Knocking at My Door, Drama-Free HR. And she describes that within her organization, they were having high turnover. And they spent some time working on the mission, vision, core values, and they flipped the hiring process. So it used to be, you know, we'll post for a job, here's an application, fill it out, interview, so on and so forth. They flipped the process to say, your first interview First process here is to go out to our website, read our mission, vision, core values, competencies, and then we're going to have a phone call. And if you can articulate how you would fit into that structure, that culture, and what it means, then you would get the application and go through the interview process. They said their attrition went down almost to nothing. They, they were able to retain because everybody they hired understood the culture of the organization. And we're able to articulate it at the very beginning and as well as through the interview process. Now, I, I don't know how you guys hire or whatever, and, but finding those people that are right fits, that's tough to do. And if they don't fit, I, I applaud you guys. If somebody doesn't fit, hopefully you're not waiting until after busy season or whatever before, before it's time to maybe to say this isn't going to work out versus doing it sooner than later. We you know, want to take that one, Rich? 
I would say that in, in you know, and, and you can always look back and say, boy, you know, we waited way too long. So we've, we've been a little nice in that regard. That's, that's saying it mildly. Um, we did have two, uh, two people leave during busy season this year. And, you know, simply the, the time it took to get that to happen became a little stressful. But ultimately, it was the best thing that we could do. And I, I would say that, you know, it is, uh, we're getting better at recognizing those that are better fits for our culture. And I think we are looking there first, regardless of technical background or other things, um, at least that we're trying to very hard. And I, we, when you look back, uh, the best people that we have are the ones that we brought in using that as our target first mm. and, and letting the other things take care of themselves. That's a great approach. Someone said that, I don't remember who it was, whatever, but I can teach anybody accounting. Right. I can teach them how to do this, but a lot of times I can't teach them these intangible skills. Right. You can't teach personality. <laughs> no, you can't teach personality and you can't teach engagement to some degree, but that, that fit in, let's get the job done, let's take care of our clients is something that sounds easy for some hard to adopt and execute on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, I remember there was a hiring period that that we really needed to hire some folks back in 2013, 2014. And Rich made the statement then that in his in his past, and I won't go into how many years now I know he's <laughs> about it, that every time he's hired for a position, it's been horrible. And when he's hired the human, it's worked. And that's, that's, you know, that's really it. That's really true. And I mean, all that meant was, you know, he's, you know, when, when you hire them to fit into the organization and you like them, it's going to work out or it has a better chance at least. I, I love that. Hire, don't hire for the position, hire for the human being, and then they will fit into that position. That's that's a great great philosophy. And and, and speaking of this culture and, and hiring and stuff, you all had a new rollout earlier this year of your mission, core values, and how you serve. But you also did something quite unique within an organization as a benefit to your associates. You you kind of changed from what I heard the vacation policy. Is, is can someone speak on that? Well, we have, uh, yeah, we, we have, uh, in fact, we, we've really been talking about it for a number of years. We have a uh, unlimited PTO policy. It, it's still a work in progress, but we decided that we were going to implement it, even though we hadn't, you know, talked about it for 100 years. We knew it wasn't going to be perfect and that it would evolve over time, but we thought that that would be you know, best for the firm. So there isn't any more of this counting, uh, you know, do I have enough time? Do I not have enough time? You know, we, we have a, we, we still have strides to make, but we thought it was the best thing to do. We just want people to do their jobs. And we're, especially with, you know, everybody writes about the millennials. It doesn't really matter when they do them, as long as the clients are happy and as long as things are getting done. So unlimited PTO, they can take vacation time, personal time throughout the whole 12 months, or is it carved out after busy season? 
we are certainly flexible during busy season, although, you know, somebody's not going to come in and say, I'm, I'm going to take this week off during busy season. That's not going to be approved. But this year, for the first time, we uh, we did a lot. You know, we said, look, you know, if, if, you're, if you're at home working, there's not a client coming to the office that you have to meet with, then work at home. We had, we had some core hours on Saturdays. Still, we haven't done away with those. But uh, a lot, you know, people were working from home in that case. But, you know, whatever they whatever they felt uh, most comfortable with. Ahead, Just to elaborate on that, and, and first off, Rich is Rich is the Rich spearheads the flexibility train. There's no doubt about that. Um, so even on those Saturdays, the you know the funny part was as we were, as we were introducing this uh, non mandatory in office Saturdays. We, we went around the room and, you know, I, I think sometimes there's, there's apprehension when things like this are introduced as to who's going to poo-poo it or whatever. And I, I was wondering if I was the one that was feared to poo-poo it. And I looked at him and I said, well, I thought that's how we were already doing it. And, <laughs> and Richard looked at me like, well, I guess that's good for him then. So the, the reality is, is, you know, there is core, core hours on Saturdays, but even then we, if you have something you need to go do, you do it at a different time. So I think I heard you correct. Did you say that you also part of the, this benefit you have non? do you say non-mandatory Saturdays? In effect, yes. I mean, like, like I said, this is really about, and for the most part, making sure that our clients are taken care of and people are getting uh, their, their jobs done. And, and so there's a lot done as to, and you know what what that plan looks like. Um, so, like I say, if a you know if a client, uh, if the only time they can come in and see someone is Saturday at eleven o'clock, then the, you know everybody accommodates that. That's not an issue. But yes, there are there are non mandatory Saturdays. Non mandatory Saturdays, well, unlimited PTO. If I was thirty five years younger, I want to join your firm. Well, well, the key actually, to all this is what you talked about earlier, the the having the back. So, you know, if that client that Rich mentioned that has to come in and, and meet on that Saturday uh, really needs to come in, there's going that client, if everything's working correctly, has already met one or two other people on their team. And if that per if one of those other two other people are there, they take the meeting. So you know, it's kind of like the full circle effect of that teamwork process. It, you know, it, it manages to scratch its own back. That, that's what makes you guys so unique. And like I said, if I was younger and I was coming out of college and, and, that, and I had a chance to interview with your firm, I, I would be blown away. Um, I imagine you have more people knocking your door down than not. You know, people talk and clients talk and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's a great, culture and it's a great testament to the hard work you guys do and what you have created and as we begin to wrap up i i, I do want to ask this question because when i was out there it's been just a little bit over a year when i did that course were you guys able to because one of the takeaways afterwards is how are you going to hold people accountable because you wanted to have much more of a smooth busy season than maybe in the past. And it sounds like some of that that we talked about back in April of 2017 actually worked. How were you able to hold people accountable after the fact, after the event, and not let them get back into that rut? I think part of it is just covering the, the plan 
their, their execution plan, whatever it might be up front, and hopefully having more discussion around what the expectations are, as well as allowing them, you know, the freedom or the, the growth opportunities to get out with those clients and, and, and be involved in taking care of those clients. And then they, they get excited and, and want to make sure that they're accomplishing their plan, their goals or whatever. Brad, you got anything to add? A lot of them are starting to, and I say a lot of them, they're, they're starting to really buy into this, this teamwork approach. And so they don't want to let their others down. So there's, a lot of them are self-holding each other self-accountable. And you're, you're leading, not managing, which is way more fun. Yeah. right? You're, 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 you're encouraging, you're strengthening, you're doing that stuff. You're not standing over top of them, telling them what to do. They're they're holding each other accountable with, without you know a whole lot of oversight. Exactly, and that is the beauty of what you guys have created. And and, and I, I just one last question I want to ask. I understand that you guys opened a new office. And what was oh, the yeah. re- and that is that the, the office in Frederick? The office in Frederick, yeah. Frederick. You, how many, you've got an office in, in Gaithersburg. Yes. In Frederick, and where else? Leesburg. Leesburg. So you got you got three locations. But what was the reasoning behind opening an office in Frederick? Well, it, it's a great market. It's a growing market. But in reality, uh, as we looked, we looked at a couple of firms to acquire there. You know, we we thought, well, we need to have a book of business before we go there. It became really a commuting benefit. Uh, we have a number of people that live in the Frederick area. And for, you know, for those that are familiar with the Washington, D.C. area, traffic is not fun. <laughs> and uh, I mean, literally, get, and, and the office is incredibly well done. Brad spearheaded that. It's, it's, it's an incredible office environment. But we, we really opened it more as a commuting benefit when it came down to it. And people there that, that go to that office are thrilled with, uh, you know, the quality of life that comes around their commuting time right now. That by far blows me away. We, we started, we opened an office. We should maybe say if we get a book of business acquired from, but we opened this office so our folks didn't have to commute on a daily basis and lose maybe two or three hours of their life stuck in traffic. Or they can get to work, they can do the job. And with technology, there's no there's no walls, there's no borders or anything like that. And that that one that one when when Jeannie told me that that's what you guys did was the cherry on top of the whipped cream. That's by itself is so unique. And it shows how much you care about your staff, the people that you hire. There's more to it than even that. I mean and I I encourage you to stop by the place and see it to say that it i mean it's well done and i i I can't take all the credit by any stretch of the imagination when we asked several times was asked you know why make it this nice why spend this on this and the reality is so many firms struggle with how to interact with the millennials and we want to be we want to be the first to the race with those guys, with the millennials, because they're going to be the future of the firm. And they want cool space. They want flexibility. They want the stuff that, that we're offering and that we that we work so hard to to offer because you know it's not actually easy to keep this culture moving. 
the the space was just kind of the the next step in that in that statement, the bullet point on we're here to accept and challenge the millennial workforce, and we want them part of our team. So it's 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 a benefit and a great marketing tool, a recruitment tool for folks to come and work at your firm because of how cool it is. I mean, I've seen some pictures of the Frederick office and when I am up in uh, the DC area, I am going to come and visit, but you know, I, nobody really wants to work in a drab environment. Right. We won't work in a nice environment. That's got some excitement, some energy to it that, you know, the days to think of the old hardwoods and the darks and all of that have kind of gone wayside. It's much more of this open atmosphere and, and cool setting and, it is an attraction. I mean, if if this firm will continue to grow, continue to survive, will be with you. You will have folks within your firm who want to be a partner, who want to have that ownership, who want to continue this firm. And you guys are doing all the right things. Yeah, you probably have a mistake here and there, but they're probably not even close to the wins and gains that you guys have seen over the years. Well, we kind of figure if we if we're not making a few mistakes and we're not pushing the envelope far enough, so that's kind of always been our uh, our culture as well. Rich loves that one. <laughs> he's 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 always pushing to be willing to uh, to do that, you know. And that's just it, it's truly just testament to to those guys, the the ones that were here before me, the 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 willingness to take a risk and the willingness to say yes instead of no. It's just created an environment where I could thrive and, and others will as well. And others have and are going to continue to thrive. Well, Brad and Rich, I, I want to thank you so very much. I've enjoyed this conversation. I, I think people are going to be fascinated by what you guys, what has been created uh, w- within the DNL uh, firm. I, I want to thank you very much for allowing me to include you and your firm in my book. Uh, it, was, it was a great story and allowing me to learn more about your organization. And, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think you got one of the unique firms in the country. I wish you all the very best. And I look forward to when our paths cross, that's not virtual, but in real life. All right, well, thanks very much for having us. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it, buddy. Go have margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank Rich and Brad, along with Alan, Jeannie, and Dan, for opening up your firm and sharing your story with my audience. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you all. In episode six, my guest is Jenny Shield, who's the CFO of Five Nines Technology Group, located in Omaha, Nebraska. This episode will be available on Monday, July 9th. Thank you again for listening and begin the process of changing your mindset and get out of your comfort zone and develop new skill sets to become more future ready. Your call to action is to determine if your organization is future ready and if not, start now. Part of becoming future ready is being an improviser. So go out, improvise, and look to the future. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.